It's Law Talk with BJ, the podcast where trial attorney and legal commentator BJ Bernstein and her guests discuss the latest issues from around the legal world. BJ is a frequent commentator on television and radio. She's unique in that she not only comments on legal issues, having been lead counsel on numerous high-profile cases of national interest, but her relatable personal style allows the viewer to understand the law behind the headlines and why it's important. Now, here's your host, B.J. Bernstein. Welcome to Law Talk with B.J. This episode is an important one in that I want to talk to you about how to help your lawyer help you. It's not that you can just rely on your lawyer to go into battle alone. Every lawyer relies on the client to give them the background and the circumstances of a case. Winning in litigation or getting just the correct advice or having a will or a legal contract drafted as it should for your situation does not only depend on the lawyer. It also depends on you. Legal matters are not like when you're under anesthesia with surgery and you wake up and the doctor's done and you heal quickly and all is well. Um, Again, it is a working relationship. It's a relationship of attorney and client. I speak often on this podcast with lawyers. You've heard share their thoughts about how to handle a particular case or situation, but That lawyer, no matter how great they are, they can only do their best work by depending and including you. It starts before you even meet the lawyer. Making the decision of who to call and going ahead and trying to have some concept of what your budget is should be done. I've done podcasts on the types of lawyers and fees, so feel free to take a listen After you've listened to this podcast, if you've missed those or if you've heard them already, tie that into what the advice I give you here about working with your lawyer. Your preparation, your openness to do a little work can make all the difference in how that relationship starts, continues, and heads toward making it a good one, a reliable one, one that you can walk away saying, I got the most and the best that I could in this situation. So... How does it start? How do you prepare to meet with your lawyer? You should prepare to meet with your lawyer. Take a few minutes and write out what you are wanting, what questions you have before you go. Remember, that first visit with the lawyer, once you've decided who you're going to visit with, might be 45 minutes to an hour. Use that time wisely. Um, This is your time for you to make the assessment and choice of the lawyer and also for that lawyer to determine whether they want to work with you because they understand the situation, it's the type of case or matter they handle, and can they feel like that they are connected and work with you. So it's a two-way street and you want to make sure your preparation helps enhance that first time you meet. The next step before you go is put documents together that you 
think you may need. Maybe not everything, but certainly get a start on it. The lawyer may say to you or give you a list of that meaning of other things they need to help decide about the case. But if you have some basics or it just takes a little work on your end, again, you're getting the best for your money, the best for your time by bringing those. Some of those documents um, are will help show the lawyer whether the case is strong or not. Or it may help you make sure that the lawyer fully understands what you're wanting to accomplish. And that can be very different depending on the type of case. For example, in a criminal case, you know, you know that you've been charged or a family member's been charged. Um, you know the jurisdiction, the state, the county, the police agency that was involved. Uh, you want to be ready to share your criminal record. You know, some people have criminal records, more than one thing. And perhaps if you have copies of what happened before, it will help the lawyer to see your background. Get the police report before you go. It's not that hard to get a police report. Sometimes it is. But if you've had a fender bender or even a basic arrest, a shoplifting arrest, all kinds of things, you can just go to your police department a few days, five to 10 days after your arrest, get a copy of the report and bring it in. Um, that you may have video or audio. I know I've had cases where clients, while they're being arrested, use their cell phone. We know a cell phone has saved a lot of people for having truth come out about how a particular incident occurs. Bring that to the first meeting. It shows that lawyer immediately, perhaps, that what happened that day, and even more importantly, that there may be a strong defense to your case, and that makes the lawyer even more willing to want to work with you. Same thing goes for a civil personal injury case. Many injuries happen as a result of car accidents, other crimes, the police are involved. So, the, so again, if you can get your hands on the police report for a personal injury case at that first meeting, you let it gives the lawyer independently from what you're saying what the police said about the accident. If you've got medical records, if you've already been going to doctors, even just the bills is a start because a knowledgeable personal injury lawyer can look at the type of doctors you've been seeing and already have a sense of what your damages are. And even better, if you can go ahead and get your medical records. Maybe you went to the emergency room. You can get that emergency room report or you can wait for the lawyer to do it either way. But the, you get the gist of what I'm saying. The more you bring in, the more that that lawyer can see, then your conversation is going to be more in detail and make you make that decision. Am I going to hire this lawyer? And the same for the lawyer. Does the lawyer want to work with me? Contracts business disputes, real estate disputes. There's all kinds of paper that starts that relationship. Bring it to the first meeting if you have it. Real estate, especially the real estate disputes. You know, you are going to have either a lease, you're going to have a purchase contract for your house or the condominium, or if you're going to fight about your condominium association, bring with you the neighborhood association rules or the condominium rules. It helps the lawyer evaluate whether the case should go forward at an early stage. So you get the picture. Lawyers love paper, or as to modern it up, digital paper, documentation that shows a trail of what is involved with the problem. 
Makes sense. Having it ready before you go. Bring it to them. That way, if you hire them, they already have the material and the best is getting done for you because that lawyer can immediately assess whether there's more to this and not waste your time or your money if it's going nowhere. That also relates to one more thing, what we do with all the information before we even know we need help. Some basic things you just need to keep in mind. In general, if you've executed a contract or a purchase agreement or a will or loan documents, a legal file at home goes a long way. My mother was an incredible keeper of all paper. She kept my dad's business in line. Sometimes it was a bit obsessive and overwhelming when she died. There were so many files in her office. It was a bit over uh, overwhelming, and yet at the same time, it helped me handle her estate without having to involve so much of legal help. She had copies of where bank accounts were, where insurance policies were. She had documents supporting what it is she wanted done. All those things very helpful when I had to go to the lawyer to actually file the paperwork to allow us to access all the money and distribute it between the family members. So keep the paper, keep the digital imprints of those kinds of things that you have in your life. And later on, if you need a lawyer for something, you are then prepared or your family's prepared to handle it. Now, you finally are at the office. You're having your meeting. Let's talk about that. Just as any other relationship, whether spouse, child, parent, coworker, it's the same thing when you meet with a lawyer. I want you to gauge, how do you feel about the lawyer? Is the lawyer listening? Are you willing to listen to the person if this person is going to be in a long-term relationship? That is, litigation can last for years. Handling an estate can take months, whatever it is. Chances are it's going to be a long relationship. So make sure the lawyer listens to you and that you are willing and respect the lawyer enough as you're meeting them to want to listen back. As many legal issues cause a lot of strong emotions, and yet the law may not accommodate that emotion, and the lawyer, as they are getting the facts, may actually push you away from the emotion to actually focus on the very details of what happened. You can help this process by maybe writing those strong feelings down and writing the facts as you believe them to be before you go see the lawyer. It's a chance to think beyond the time limits of the first meeting. It helps you be mentally and emotionally prepared and gives the lawyer the maximum amount of information. It's not love or even like alone that determines who should be your lawyer. It's really the word trust. Can you trust that this lawyer is going to listen to you? And can you, from this meeting, come away thinking, I'm going to listen to that lawyer as well? Now, practically at the first meeting, be ready to answer a lot of questions, even if you've written all the things I've just mentioned that you should do. Share your story. Lay out your problem as if it's something proactive, like a will, a contract. That, too, is a story. 
Note, I said, be ready to give your story in short form first. There may be an issue with timing. Some stories, when I really debrief someone, it can take two, three, four hours to really break down what happened, even if it was something that lasted 10 minutes. But in this first meeting, for clarity's sake and understanding that this is just determining if you're going to be hiring the lawyer, you want to be prepared and let the story come from you. And at the same time, let the lawyer lead you where they need to go. Sometimes you get all prepared and you're ready to tell them everything. And there's some small little fact that needs to come out that the lawyer immediately feels is missing and they may interrupt you. Let that happen. Example, a lot of people bring their family with them. Everyone sitting in the room, there may be things, though, that are subject to attorney-client privilege. And so having your daughter or your spouse or your cousin would not make that a confidential meeting. So spilling out everything in front of everyone is not a good idea. Most lawyers make the client themselves meet alone with the lawyer to go over all the facts. Maybe it is that at home they've already told everybody in the family, but the lawyer doesn't know that for sure. So don't get offended or concerned if the lawyer meets everybody in the family, talks to everybody who came for a few minutes, and then says, now everybody else leave. I need to talk just to my client or potential client, and then I can bring everybody back in later. Knowing this also may make you make some different plans that don't bring everybody necessarily to that for first meeting. You don't have to bring everybody. If it's a child, prepare yourself that the lawyer is going to also need time alone with the child without you. So even though it's a juvenile case, again, the child is alone with you. Why? For a couple of reasons. Children especially need the space to tell their lawyer things they may not tell you. It's not your job to interrogate them about what was said or what happened. Minors have the same legal privilege, and they may share with lawyers something that helps the case. Many times they may reveal things such as addiction issues with the lawyer, and maybe the lawyer then becomes the one to help the child talk to the parents that they're needing rehabilitation or substance abuse help before the parent could ever figure that out. So don't get offended or scared if it's a minor that the lawyer, if that is who the client or the case is about, the lawyer will want time alone with your child without you there. Also, just remember, you never know what was really said in that meeting, that one-on-one time with the lawyer. So don't push the child or the other family member or a friend to repeat it all to you after it's over without the lawyer. Attorney-client's privilege is sacred. It's for the protection of the citizen in both a civil or criminal matter. Realize that that privilege works to help your loved one. So respect it. Another thing to think about when you're meeting the lawyer in this first time is, is there something unique about you that you need to tell the lawyer up front so they can understand the lens that you're seeing the situation? If the person involved has a history of mental health issues, you may want to say that immediately because the lawyer's trying to assess what this person's telling them 
and not realize that there's a mental health issue, if there's a physical disability, a health issue, eyesight issues, hearing, medications, childhood trauma that would affect their perceptions, be ready to tell the lawyer about it at that first meeting. It helps the lawyer assess the case. Now, just because you communicate all this, you may learn your goals are not realistic because the law itself may not support what you're coming to see this lawyer to do. A lawyer who tells you the downside of the work that they're about to start is not necessarily being negative, but rather being honest and clear about what the law is and that the law may not be on your side. And maybe the law could change. Maybe it's going to be an uphill battle. But don't shut down a lawyer who's telling you the negatives because that's why you're there. You want the honest look at the situation to make a decision to go forward. And if you're going forward, know what the uphill battle may be. The lawyer is asking for it, so don't show up without knowing your facts, having your paperwork organized. If you can't, then the lawyer and their staff can also perhaps help you get things organized. I've had some crazy large boxes of paper that made no sense. It was in no order. And you know what we did? My staff and I, we went through it, put it in order so that we could assess the case and later use it if we needed to, to handle a trial. Also, a simple thing to do, it works well. Before you go, make a list of questions. When you get in the lawyer's office, you may be uncomfortable or you may be nervous and you may not remember everything. So write down your questions. Even write down the story of what happened. If you can do that before the go- you go, you'll at least have something more detailed to, to share. Because as I said before, details matter. The lawyer may ask you these questions. You could get exasperated and frustrated, but it's needed and to be able to serve you few other little things. Let's say you're going to hire that lawyer. Remember, if you change your phone number, your address, or your email contact, let your lawyer know. Keep your own file. Um, The documents that they send you, keep them. Don't put them in a special place. Sometimes we just keep it in our inbox and don't be so organized about it. And later, you know, so many different things can happen and you may need to take a review over it and not just call the lawyer again to get another copy. So whatever documents they send, maintain them in a way that you can access them. Now, one of the big issues in an attorney-client relationship is how often you communicate with the lawyer. Some people want to talk to their lawyer in person or by phone or Skype, FaceTime, email or texting, and that can actually get to be too much. I've spoken to many lawyers and they stress to me that you, when you communicate with them, you should really consider to do it in the way that the lawyer prefers because there's very many reasons to do that. You may say, well, I just text all the time. I don't use email or I I don't want to get on. I don't want to provide that information that way. But pause a moment. First of all, one of the things your lawyer is looking for always is privacy, confidentiality, and accurate record keeping of this relationship. 
And so choosing different ways to reach the lawyer makes that difficult to keep the records. It may not be something that's the best for you for confidentiality. So resist or at least have that conversation with your lawyer if they start saying to you, really, please don't text me anymore. Can you email me that information or drop it by in the mail, however it should be. Other reason for this is, remember, the lawyer has more than one client. If the lawyer only has one client, they're probably not the best lawyer. You need. You, it makes sense. You want them to be able to um, have several clients and handle all those clients and so and to be able to easily search for the information that you call about. So fitting their way of communicating and the lawyer's way of organizing, again, helps you. Um, like I said, the texts, um, faxes, a lot of things, it can get difficult to maintain. Texting is often the most difficult for a lawyer. Long texts um, that are really long, I've gotten some recently, they go on and on and on. And truthfully, it's really hard to maintain. It's um, if you're in court or if I'm on a few minute break and I'm looking at the text, I may not be able to get hold of it or re read it all. And it's not very secure. Facebook Messenger, not really favored by lawyers. <laughs> so that's not a great idea. Most of the time, the lawyer will have you either email or they have certain software and a client confidential portal that you can use to communicate. Or they may even say, you know, I welcome a phone call on Friday afternoons. I take calls um, to explain things. Part of that is the lawyer has more than one client and likely you want to have the best experience for your time and it benefits you. Not to say that they're going to ignore you during an emergency, but an emergency is truly an emergency, not that you woke up in the middle of the night and you decided to send a text to your lawyer and expect first thing in the morning a response. Instantaneous replies are not always viable for another very good reason. For instance, let's say your lawyer is in court. Many judges make us shut off the phone completely, and I can be in the court maybe three, four, five, six hours and not see what you've sent in real time. Then you're frustrated that I haven't responded to that text when it's impossible to. So I know it's hard in this instant world, but this relationship to work means try to take these things um, into account in your expectations with the lawyer. If the lawyer's in a jury trial, you may not be able, you may be able to just speak with the staff. Again, remember, the lawyer's not ignoring you. And I know a lot of clients reach this realization when they actually get to that point with me. When we're in a jury trial and they see how overwhelming it is and how intense it is and how hard we're working, they start to realize, oh, when I thought you were ignoring me, I didn't realize this is what you would be doing. So I kind of say this in advance so that you have this good relationship with your attorney because a good relationship, like anything else in your life, you get the best from the other person when everybody is mutually happy. Yes, there are emergencies and most offices are built to handle those emergencies, but just remember, you may not get the instant answer. So let's say 
I have a case with somebody, I'm on trial for a week and the client can't get to me and it's not an emergency, but they're getting all these great ideas. Go to the old fashioned keeping a running list, a legal pad or a note section on your phone or computer marked attorney client privilege of all the things you are thinking about or want to talk to me about at our next meeting or phone call or choose to put it in just one email instead of stream of consciousness emails. Here's an email. I woke up and thought of this and another one and another one. Now, Another thing in the legal relationship is defining what an emergency or a crisis is. And that, I want you to take a step back to think about or even talk to the lawyer as to what is considered an emergency. You may be having one, but the lawyer can't solve it when it's happening, but the lawyer may be able to pull somebody else in to to answer it. But really think about, do you have to truly talk to the lawyer that moment or is your anxiety level such that you're on the phone yelling and screaming and 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 berating the staff because the lawyers in trial and can't read you so just avoid that and everybody comes away happy another part of handling a legal case is being on time courts in particular are usually sticklers about time Judges, some judges may, when they have court at 9 a.m., they walk on the bench at 9 a.m. And if you're not there and you're not sitting there and your name is called, a bench warrant's issued for your arrest if it's a criminal case. Uh, Some judges maybe wait 10 minutes and then come in. They understand that there's traffic. They understand there are a lot of things. But being on time is a big deal in a case, particularly with regard to litigation. Yes, there's traffic. Yes, there's all kinds of good reasons why you may be late, but you really don't want to have to be discussing that with a judge. You really don't want a bench warrant issued and your lawyer having to try to undo it. Plan ahead. If you live in a big metropolitan area, y'all know I'm in Atlanta, and traffic is horrendous. Um, I had it recently and was horrified because I left really, really early for a meeting. And I was still five minutes late with the judge. Fortunately, that judge was kind about it and could uh, understood what was going on. But I, I build in more time than you normally do for travel because being late to court can potentially have you held in contempt or bring out um, anger with the judge. Same thing goes with meeting with your lawyer, just meeting at their office. You're, As I said before, you're not the only client. And if you're there on time and that lawyer knows you're coming, they've set aside time for you. So let's use the maximum amount of time. Don't waste each other's time. And that relationship gets better and stronger and you get more from the lawyer. A smooth relationship works. It's part of why I keep saying, help your lawyer help you. Another way, staying off social media about your legal situation. Everything you put out there can be discovered in litigation if you're putting it on some sort of social media. It can be subpoenaed. It can, even if it's a, quote, private page, it may not be private from the court. And I know that we get some strong feelings, particularly for my friends who practice um, family law, and there's a lot said online about other family members, 
and it really can be damaging to the case. And so when your lawyer says stay off social media about the situation, take the lawyer's advice. It is good advice. You are helping yourself to help your lawyer by staying away from it. Now, let's talk about money and the relationship of money and hiring a lawyer is something that should be addressed. Lawyers don't work for free for the most part. There are, and we've talked, we can talk about this another time, lawyers who take cases pro bono, meaning that they take it without a fee because it's something that they feel strongly about and want to help someone who has no money in a criminal case. Almost all criminal lawyers at some point handle pro bono cases. But for the most part, lawyers charge fees. We've talked about in other podcast fees. But talk honestly and upfront. If you know it's a struggle for you to pay the bill, don't just agree to a fee agreement that you already know the moment you're signing it that it won't work. Go ahead up front and talk to the lawyer about it because if everybody talks it out, so if I say to someone, you know, normally I want the money up front, but in this particular case, I'm willing to do payments of X, Y, or Z amount, um, be honest back. Well, I can pay X, but I can't pay Z, or I could do it, but it's going to need more time. If you have that back and forth, if you have that honest conversation about what your resources are, what you can pay, and already figure out are friends and family going to help you, you have a better positive relationship with your lawyer. So be upfront and open at the beginning about money in the case. Same thing with the lawyer, they should be open with you. If they think that you're going to need an expert or you're going to need other things, they should be going ahead and talking to you about it because sometimes the fee isn't just the hourly rate or a flat fee in a criminal case to handle it, but expenses outside of the office get added. Court fees or expert fees or private investigator fees that gets added on. So you want to have that honest, straight-up conversation about money. Another issue between lawyers and clients is time. Make sure you let the lawyer know your schedule when you're at work. When you're at work, can you reach um, you during business hours or are you in a workplace where that's not possible? Ask the lawyer how they want to communicate off hours. If it's an emergency and a late night call or a truly an emergency, you know, go ahead and have that conversation in advance or let the lawyer, so that you know how to reach the lawyer at with a true emergency, remembering that there are no courts really open at 11 o'clock at night. Um, but if you have a unique work situation where you're not fitting business hours, talk it out at that first meeting talk it out so that the lawyer can say, you know what, I'm going to, I know what I said, other people can't call me at this time period, but for you, it will work when you get off work or it'll work if you do it by email. Recognize also, there are a lot of deadlines with cases. There's how long you have to file suit, how long to respond to file an answer to a lawsuit, how, when something goes to court, 
There may be deadlines set by the judge saying you have to file motions by a certain date. You have to get certain information to the court by a certain date. So keep a calendar for yourself that's detailed with those deadlines so that you'll see that a deadline's coming along with the lawyer. And talk to the lawyer about that. Also, by keeping a calendar, some people, you know, they're not so good. They use their memory or they jot things down. But use your phone calendar or use a paper calendar, something so that you have those court dates there because no one is happy if you miss a court date. And same thing with the meetings that you set or other things that you set with a lawyer. Be good about keeping a calendar. So as I close, I just want to acknowledge for everyone, whether it's you or the lawyer, there is a heightened stress, particularly with um, litigation or a criminal case or, or anything that you need a lawyer for, buying a house, trying to get that employment contract right. It is stressful. And with that stress, take the extra time to work with your lawyer and know that you're working with them in the way the lawyer wants you to will help you both. And as I do with every episode of Law Talk with BJ, I enjoy a cup of tea. And today's tea I have chosen for this relationship, it is a tea that includes the elothura root. And the re- that's actually an herb from China that fosters mental, emotional, and physical strength. And I assure you, that's exactly the attributes, exactly the areas that you need strength in when you have a matter to deal with with a lawyer. So please take care, help your lawyer help you, and I wish you the least amount of emotional and and physical stress and take a sip of tea and get some strength and go forward. And hopefully it is a great relationship that leads to what you need to bring justice. This podcast is not to be construed as legal advice. With any legal issue, you should reach out to a professional attorney that practices law in the state and area of law for which you need information or consultation. Law Talk with BJ does not establish an attorney-client relationship, which is only formed when you have hired an attorney and signed an engagement agreement or contract. It's Law Talk with BJ Music Theme, written and produced by Atlanta Audible. This podcast copyright 2018, BJ Bernstein Esquire. <laughs>